0: actually beginning a new series, and it's it's entitled, Well with God. So we're going to be looking at the different areas of your life, and today we're going to be looking at the spiritual area of your life, and we're going to be talking about very simple, basic decisions that you can make, giving you something tangible that you can do. I know we always try to give you something to do, but Sometimes it just gets overwhelming. You know, every time I come to church, I got to hear something else that I got to change, something else I got to fix, something else I got to do. So what I want to do is keep it as simple as we possibly can. And today we're going to start with something that you can actually do. You know, there's a thousand things you could probably do to make your relationship with God better. But we're going to narrow this down to just one thing that I think will help you to process what's going on in our society, but also to process what might be going on in your life that will increase your ability to have a better spiritual life with Christ. All right, everybody ready? All right, so the first one we're going to talk about, the first decision that you can make, the first thing that you can tangibly do that will make your relationship with God better, well, all right, it's this. Take God. At his word. Believe him. And Jesus talked about, you know, unless you believe in me. Now, he's not just talking about, you know, believe that I exist. Plenty of people believe he exists. And James wrote, the the half-brother of Jesus wrote, that good grief, the devil believes he exists. That doesn't do him any good. So you can believe He exists, and that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's, he's, it's more than that. He's saying, take me at my word. Take me at my word. Believe what I say. Believe what I do. And how many have ever heard the old saying, if God said it, I believe it, that settles it? You've probably seen it on a bumper sticker somewhere. All right. So God said it. I believe it. That settles it. And that needs to be our attitude when it comes to what God has said. There were times that the disciples looked at Jesus and they were like, did he really say that? Why would he say that? Well, if God said it, I believe it, that settles it. One time Jesus was teaching and he had just fed a bunch of people, thousands of people in a previous city. And a bunch of those people followed him to the next place. And Jesus is like, these people just want a free meal. They want to see miracles. They don't want me. They don't want this relationship with me. And Jesus stood up in front of the crowd. The disciples were so excited. They're like, man, this is awesome. This thing is growing. We're going to have a jet. We're going to have a cruise ship probably. That's, yeah. That's not the way God thinks. So, Jesus stands up and he says, okay, folks, here's how it's going to work. If any of you want to see the kingdom of God, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Who's first? What? This is crazy. And the disciples started talking to each other. What did he just say? Why would he say that? Good people are walking out why because it sounded crazy and Jesus turned to the disciples and he said are you guys going to leave too I don't care if you don't understand what I just said I said it and I'm God and you can trust it and Peter looked at Jesus and he said you're God where else do we have to go So in your life, you've got to come to a place in your spiritual life where you say, he's God, I'm not. God said it, I believe it. Period. See, the person who lives by this will grow and be well with God. It's freezing in here. Anybody else cold? Maybe it's... See. Let's ask God. Is it is it cold in here, God? <laughs> Cuz we're confused. All right. At least turn it off. All right. Have you ever known someone in your life that didn't trust you at your word? How did that feel? You know, especially when you were like, I didn't do anything to not be trusted. What's wrong with you? And, and the truth is, a lot of times people don't trust you simply because of maybe their own personal experiences. They had an issue with somebody and they learned, I'm not going to trust any human being ever again. Maybe, maybe they look at you and they're threatened because you're good looking, or maybe they look at you and they're threatened because you're ugly. Maybe they look at you and they're threatened because you're very successful, or maybe they're threatened and won't take you at your word because you haven't done anything with your life. Whatever it is, they look and say, you know what? You're not going to influence me and I'm not going to take you at your word because I'm I choose to. I've had experiences with people like you. You know, and it's funny because our brains, we need to see what the person looks like when they're driving crazy down 380. We want to see them. Why? Because we want to watch out for those people next time. And so we label them. That's what they look like. I'm not going to get out of their way. I'm not going to drive next to them because I know what that, that person looked. You know where I'm going. It's impossible to have a good relationship with somebody that rejects the words that you say, isn't it? When they choose not to believe you, and if you're in a conversation and you make a statement with someone like this, no matter how true the statement you make is, and they refute it, you're just, what? The sky is so beautifully blue today. No, it's not. And they'll just refute it. Why? Because that's what they've chosen to do. They reject what you have to say. You can't have a healthy, well relationship with someone who refuses to take you at your word. There have been times that when I'm preaching, I'm able to look out and I'm able to see when somebody is just like the words are just being not just bounced off, but sometimes even thrown right back at me. Somebody that's rejecting it. And it's interesting because sometimes it's easy for me to think, well, I'm, you know, I'll take that personally. And sometimes it is personal. Sometimes I remind them of somebody that, that bothered them or maybe a pastor that, that did them wrong, all right? So it's easy for them to do that. We had a lady that was coming for a while that her and her family were here. And, and, and I promise you, it was so weird. I, during, while I was preaching, there were times that her body would literally just start to contort. She was in pain just by listening to me preach the Word of God. And I began to wonder, is there something spiritual happening here? And I don't know, it was weird, but it wasn't too long before she found a way to get out of the church and, and uh, you know, what do you do with that? So knowing that you have to come to a place to grow closer to God, you've got to come to a place where you say, you know what, if God said it, I'm going to believe it. And that settles it. If you want to be well with God, you got to take Him at His word. And why not? Like Peter said, He's God. He has your best interest at heart. You can trust Him. And He truly loves you. So let me ask you a couple of questions. What has God said that you haven't settled on? that you're not believing? What has God said that you reject? You see, here's the problem when we reject even just a piece of truth when it comes to what God has said. Truth is like a strand of Christmas lights. Some of you are about to get your Christmas lights out. Some of you already have. You get your strand of Christmas lights out, what happens? You've got this beautiful, it's like, oh, this is so pretty. Christmas is coming. And then all of a sudden it goes off. And what is it? It's one light bulb somewhere in that strand. And if it's 150 lights in that strand, what do you have to do? Get a good one, hopefully, and start, is it this one? Is it that one? Is it that one? Is it that one? Is it that one? 150 times, and then finally you get to the one that it is, and whoop, they come back on. But truth is like that. If you take one little piece of truth, you've got to realize that the whole strand goes out. He said, No, John, that's not true. Truth, if I, I, if I, if I, listen, if I believe in Jesus and everything is okay there, then I don't have to adhere to everything else he says. But you've got to understand, it's like that Christmas tree or that, that Christmas lights. It's, it's, you take one piece of truth that God has said and you reject it, everything else gets shaken because of that. Truth is like that. You cannot reject truth because it changes everything in your life. Uh, Rejection of truth is this. Rejection of any piece of truth is a lie. What does it take for you to be able to validate a lie? Let's pretend that today we're going to take something very simple, that somebody asks you, hey, where were you this morning? And you don't want to tell them the truth that you were in church. I don't know why you wouldn't want to do that. But let's say that, all right? It's just a simple lie that you could say, all right, I'm going to tell a simple lie as simple as I'm not going to tell them that I went to church today. So what do you have to do? You have to come up with another location that you went to. Well, I was... At Walmart. Oh, really? Okay. And you start to tell them this lie that you were somewhere else. You have to, in that, begin to tell them what you did at Walmart, why you were there, how much you spent, and when you left, and why you, why, you, why you left. I mean, all of the details that they're going to want to know how you went to Walmart. I thought you went to church this morning, and you told this lie, and they're going to ask you all these validating questions, and they're going to say, okay, I mean, they could go so far as to track the mileage on your car. If they wanted to, they could track your cell phone and see where your cell phone was. So, I mean, you've got huge problems with this if you want to lie about where you went to church today. And that's just one simple little thing. Why is it such a problem? Because a lie alters reality. And in order for you to tell a simple lie like that, you've got to alter all kinds of reality in your life. And any kind of little piece of truth that you reject in your life is a lie. And that alters all kinds of reality, especially when it comes in your relationship with God. And if, if God said something and you say, well, it's just one little part... I like the Jesus of the New Testament. I don't like the Jesus of the Old Testament or or the God of the Old Testament because he was rough and gruff and he killed people and thousands of people. But Jesus in the New Testament, oh, he was so loving and kind and I just want to worship him like that. Guess who the God of the Old Testament was? The angel of the Lord in the Old Testament was. They killed thousands and thousands of people at times. It was Jesus. The same guy. So, if you miss truth, accepting him at his word means you become sane and whole, and things will make sense in understanding who Jesus in the Old Testament was compared to the Jesus we've come to know in the New Testament. If you want to do something today to grow and be well with God, Begin to take Him at His word. All of it. Don't be afraid of it. The great thing is that God has communicated clearly what truth is and what He likes and what He doesn't like. How frustrating would it be for you to get to heaven and find out that God liked something you didn't like and you did those things or you didn't do those things that God likes or you did the things that God didn't like and He's like... And he didn't communicate those things. But the great thing is he did communicate those things. That's what we have his word for, to get to know who he is and what he likes and doesn't like and what he wants us to do with our lives. He calls us into great things. How difficult is a marriage without words? Can you imagine if you didn't have the ability to bring words into a marriage? You just walk in, you're like, Can you imagine going to work and your boss is like, he doesn't even have the words to say figure it out. <laughs> He's just like, you got to find a way to do job, your job. Can you imagine a, a life without those kinds of communications in your life, how frustrating it would be? Studies have shown that 90 per, 93% of communication is nonverbals. All right, the, And, and here's a, there's a problem with this. The, the before, after, or the before, during, and after communication, what's being said, the nonverbals say so much more to us than the actual words we're listening to are being spoken. There's a problem with that, and I'll tell you what the problem is. Another way to say this is this, 93% of all communication is speculation because it's all nonverbal, 93% of all communication for you that's non, it is nonverbal, and that means it's all speculation from your interpretation of body language filtered through your corrupt heart. So everything you're listening to, 93% of your interpretation comes from what you see as your, and why is that a problem? Because your corrupt heart is trying to protect you and your corrupt heart is always looking for something that is going to threaten you, something that you need to protect yourself from. And here's the, so here it is. It's safer to assume what you're, what they are saying is going to hurt you, which leads to a lot of error in your communication. You're looking to see, is, is what they're saying going to hurt me? And you're watching their body language. You're listening by looking. And you've got to stop doing that so much. Why? Because it's filtered through a corrupt heart. The same is true with God. We assume so much that God is angry with us, that God doesn't like us, that God has forgotten about us. Why? Because of all the non-verbals going on around in our lives. The struggles, the pain, the difficulties that we have, all of those are non-verbals. And we're wondering, is this communicating that God doesn't like me anymore? That God's angry with me? Is God giving you the cold shoulder? Is the question. It's easy to read all the nonverbals of your life and believe God has everyone else taken care of but you. You ever felt like God's given you the cold shoulder? The nonverbals will make you feel that way. Is God really trying to push you away? How do you know? you believe that is God really just excited to throw us into hell sometimes it feels that way doesn't it how do you know he's not because of his word has God forgotten about you feel like it sometimes? Yeah. How do you know he hasn't? He said it. Do you believe it? John was telling me a story before service that he he was making some uh, Cornbread. cornbread. There we go. Brought it out of the oven. He told Linda, his wife, hey, don't touch those. It's 350 degrees. (laughs) How? She didn't take him at his word. Take God at his word. Communication is the most difficult yet most important part of a working relationship. Is that true? It is true. Misunderstanding someone is easy. It's easy for you to misunderstand someone. It's easy for you to misunderstand your spouse, your, your parents, your kids, your co-workers, your boss. It's easy. Why? Because here's the equation. Nonverbals, 93% of the communication that comes into you, nonverbals plus your corrupt heart equals miscommunication and misunderstanding. Nonverbals aren't always clear and they're not always intentionally part of communication. If you're standing there face to face with somebody and they tell you something, and this happens sometimes, if I'm standing there talking to somebody and they're telling me something that's very serious and very difficult and all of a sudden a bad smell comes in, I don't mean to communicate anything differently than what I'm talking to them about. Or a good smell comes in, cinnamon rolls. I mean, imagine I'm standing there talking to somebody, and they're telling me about a horrible death that's happened in their lives, and all of a sudden, cinnamon rolls smells. That's a problem. I don't mean to communicate that I don't care about your loss. It's cinnamon rolls. Give me a break. You see, nonverbals aren't always true. You've got to hear the words too. God knows that it's imperative that He communicates clearly to us about what He likes and what He doesn't like because your life is counting on it. Your eternal life is counting on it. And what we need to know about His plan is so important because your life on earth counts on that. So when it comes to you and God... Be careful. Don't take every situation that he's using, that's being, that's coming at you as nonverbal communication from God. If a glass falls out of the cabinet in the kitchen and falls to the floor and crashes everywhere. So many people go, oh, that's God communicating with me. I don't know if it is or not. Could be, might not be. You forget your keys, where your keys are. You go looking for them for 15 minutes. Is that God communicating with you? I don't know. It could be. It might not be. If, if you find $20 laying on the ground, oh, that's God's favor. I don't know. It could be. It might not be. Your favor, someone else's lack of favor, their loss. They lost it. They're over there going, oh, I lost my 20 bucks. God must hate me. I don't know. Could be. Might not be. No, he doesn't hate. You know, you you pull in the parking lot and there's the front parking space open. Oh, that's God's favor. I don't know, but the the other guy had to park in the back. That's a loss of favor. I mean, come on. We're looking for all these nonverbal communications to try to help us to make our decisions in life. And God is saying, all right, I want you to do something. I offer to you something way better, something way bigger, something way more important, and something definitely way more solid. You see, people are making life-changing negative decisions based upon all these nonverbal communications and they say you know what God must not like me he's forgotten about me he doesn't care about me he cares way more about Mark than he does me I mean look at Mark he's got great wavy nice hair and the guy is like in his late 40s and he's you know it's easy for us to look at someone else and say they've got it better they've got the favor of God well I'm what where's God and they're looking and making these decisions based upon all these nonverbals. And God says, I offer something way more important to you than that. God has chosen a solid line of communication that leaves as little room for interpretation as possible. What is it? His words. And this is why we read and study the scriptures, and it's the foundation of what we teach in this church. It's God's word. And if you begin to take him at his word and you begin to believe him and what he said, your life will be better. And your spiritual life will be way more healthier. You know, since God created man, it's recorded that he spoke personally to like 25 people, audibly spoke to like 25 people in the last 6,000 years. Now, that obviously doesn't include the people Jesus himself talked to when he was on earth or it doesn't include the situation where God spoke to Jesus um, while he was being baptized and he said, this is my son and who I'm well pleased. It doesn't include also the moment that Paul was knocked off his donkey and God said something to Paul. doesn't include those moments he spoke directly to Paul and Paul heard, woo, 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 woo. or no, Paul heard the actual words. The other guys heard the mumbling. Doesn't include those times, but like 25 times in the last 6,000 years that God spoke to people individually like that. And don't you know what He said was powerful? Look at all that He's accomplished in the last 6,000 years with just 25 times speaking to people. Think about it from this perspective. His words are powerful. And He gave them to you to read, to listen to, and to adhere to, and say, you know what? That matters. God uses words for clarity. When He gave us the Ten Commandments, He was clear. He was concise. He brought clarity to us of what's good and pleasing and, and a good life to live together. He said stuff like this, very clear. Don't have any other gods before me. Don't murder Don't steal. How clear is that? Don't do that. And there were two of these commandments that God taught us with his, you know, in understanding this, that the Ten Commandments are God teaching us what he likes and what he doesn't like so that we can accommodate for that relationship. And and he gave us a couple of these with stronger and longer explanations for us to just be able to see. And he wrote these actually on the two tablets that he gave to Moses with his own hand. And he said this. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven or above or on earth beneath or in the waters below." You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Look at how detailed he was. He was very clear here. He says, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. He even indicated why. He's like, I don't like it when people do this. I have a problem with this. I personally have a problem when people worship something else because I'm it. And not only that, but because it's it's insane for someone to do that punishing the children for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments god was very clear i take it personal when you worship something other than me aren't you glad he communicated that can you imagine getting to heaven and god going well you you should have picked up on all the nonverbals i didn't like it when you did that and i was I was doing that when you were worshiping that thing, and you should have figured that out. He didn't do that to us. He was clear, concise. Other one he spent more time clarifying. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. He's like, I did all that in six days, and I rested on the seventh. You can do that too. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God took the time to personally write these things down for us. To teach us what he likes and doesn't like. Take him at his word. And when it comes to that, it, when it comes to what God doesn't like, what God wants and what God doesn't want, you can find it clearly given to you if you look for it. And it will change your life, it'll be better. You'll see that if you pick up on this nugget of truth that you've been rejecting, that the rest of your life suddenly becomes better. All the lights come on, and it's better. You see, God has clearly communicated who He is, what He likes, and what He does, and you can find it. And He's completely set us free to know that or not. It's up to you if you want to look for it. So there are two mistakes, real quick. I'm going to go through these real quick. Two mistakes that we make when we're reading God's Word, when we're trying to read His Word. Two mistakes. One is when you put a question mark where God put a period. You're responsible to know the things that God put periods on. And when you put a question mark there, you're in trouble. And that's the beauty of God's communication. He's like, this is clearly what I want. This is what I don't want. It's clearly here. And you put a question mark there, it's a problem. And right now, our culture is putting question marks where God has put periods. Questions where there are periods is confusing. And guess who the author of confusion is? Is it God? Look at what the Scripture says. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. And if you're living a confused lifestyle, if there's confusion in your family, if there's confusion in your life, guess where that came from? And if you will begin to adhere to God's Word and say, all right, I'm going to take God at His Word. What He says is true, and I'm going to do that. If you'll do that, confusion will go away. But our society is so confused right now. Why? Because we're, we we've put question marks where there's periods, and it's, it's very confusing, especially for our kids what they let me ask you this what's the first recorded thing that we have in scripture that satan said it's a question about what what god said see what happened was god definitively told adam and eve don't eat from this specific tree. I'm going to let you eat from all these other trees, but don't eat from this one. And the reason for that is because I want to know that you're choosing to love me and obey me. And that's why I put the tree there so that there's that opportunity that you could go against me, but I want you to have free will, but I want you to love me. And so here's all of this other paradise that you can have, but just don't eat from that one tree. So Eve is going along and everything. Thing is fine. And what's, and God put that period there and it wasn't an option. And all of a sudden she comes to the serpent and what's the serpent say? Did God really say that? He put a question mark where the period was. And every one of your temptations that you and I have fallen into, isn't it because we questioned, did God really say that? Am I alone? No. Yeah, all of us, okay. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, let's look at this one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, the very first verse in the entire Bible, what's the question that that has been posed? That's a statement, that is a period. What's the question that we've heard? Did God really create heavens and earth? And since that question came out, we've had billions of dollars and wasted time in our science and in all of our classrooms saying, did God really create the heavens and the earth? No, here's another story. And if you look online, you can go and find, and and it's crazy because our students show up at church and they hear me talk about creation, they're like, well, the pastor doesn't know what he's talking about. We had monkeys and we had this and that. And it's so frustrating. And, and, but now what, what we found, you can go on YouTube and you can actually listen to the scientists and mathematicians that have actually, it's coming out. They're saying, it's absolutely astounding. There is no possible way mathematically or scientifically that we could have all of creation without a creator. Go find it. It's there. Now we just got to get our government to get on board with it so we can get it into our schools. One little lie, and look what it became. Did God really say, did God really do? Yeah. Genesis 1.27. I mean, this is foundational. Genesis 1.27. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. Did God really only create male and female. Yes. <laughs> and confusion happens. That's all Satan has to do to get you confused. Put a question mark where there's a period. Right. Are you confused today? Harvey's just ready to go to lunch. (laughs) Are your kids confused? It's time to clear it up. We got a mess, and there's confusion. Where did it come from? We put a question mark where God put a period. Take God at his word and life will be so much better. And Thanksgiving family dinner will be so much better. (laughs) James David, would you come? Second mistake people make. When we put a period where God put a question mark. One of the biggest mistakes humans make when we're reading the Bible is putting a period where God put a question mark. When He wasn't clear about something, He was intentionally not clear about it. And what gives right to humans to make something clear that God didn't make clear? It causes confusion, it breaks relationships. I grew up in a church that couldn't wear shorts, couldn't go to the movies, couldn't dance, which that one turned out to my benefit, (laughs) and everybody else's, (laughs) when we put periods where question marks were left, where God said, be creative. I mean, it's why we have so many kinds of Christian churches today. Because we grab on to this agenda and it separates and it divides instead of us all just being able to come together as the kingdom of God and celebrating together. No. If God wasn't 100% clear on a subject, then why or how can we be? Are you following me? Why would someone definitively state that it is always God's will to heal a physical body on earth and if He doesn't do it for you, then it must be because you didn't ask with enough faith. How can somebody definitively teach that? And I've heard it. When Jesus Himself... He healed thousands of people, but he didn't heal even more when he lived here. Do I believe God heals? Absolutely. You heard me earlier in the service, and we pray for it and we believe for it. But it's way more than about healing your physical body. This life on earth with him is about meaning and purpose and why God is allowing things in our lives. And there's more meaning and purpose sometimes in our struggles than there is in our healing. And you've got to trust Him. You've got to take God at His Word. Why would somebody definitively state, you have to baptize them only in the name of Jesus and not the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as Jesus gave us? Some people are very crazy about that. I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense to me. Why would someone definitively state that you you have to completely abstain from eating and drinking certain things for religious purposes when God didn't make that anything? In fact, He went against it in the New Testament. Now, if you're drinking alcohol as a pastor... I'm going to tell you it's dangerous, and I don't like it, and for yours and everybody's safety, it's made for your addiction to be there, but I'm never going to tell you for religious purposes that it's wrong for you to drink or to have a drink. That would be wrong for me to tell you. Why would someone definitively judge another one because of the way they celebrate Christmas? Jesus say, here's how I want you to celebrate my birthday? Did he? He didn't even tell us when it was. Why would someone take the liberty to tell us or to establish how often, a day, a week, a month, every month, every year, however much we need to take communion. When God didn't even define that himself, he left it as a question mark. Scripture says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, didn't say for every week when you eat this bread and drink this cup. He didn't give us that. He said, use your imagination. Do it though. But don't do it religiously. Do it out of relationship. Why would anyone definitively declare that having musicians in church is wrong? I don't know about you, but I like music. Why would anyone definitively declare that the right way to teach and preach the Bible is word by word, line by line? You guys understand what I'm talking about? You know, there's there's this. And, and I've, I've been talking to people along the way that that they'll ask me so, pastor you're a pastor, so do you teach expositorily or do you teach topically? Expositorily is when you read the Bible line by line and and try to stay awake and I tell you this word means this the Greek interpretation of it is this and that sometimes I'll do that for purpose but I've actually had them look at me and just be like, get away from me you teach topically sometimes? How did Jesus teach? Expositorily. Really? I don't think so. The most divisive things among God's people are when we put periods where God left question marks. I don't know about you, but I want a free church from that. And we have it. Let me say that again. I want a church that's free of that and we have it. Nobody's walking around with their nose in the air. How long is your skirt today? It's measure. Freedom in Christ. Don't put question marks where God put periods and don't put periods where God put question marks. When you read his word, Take him at his word. So I want to end with this. I found this really encouraging, and I hope you will too. What does his word say? His word says that you're justified. His word says that you are called by God. Take him at his word. His word says that that you were created for good works. God has good works for you to do. You have gifts and talents, abilities, and maybe even a passion inside of you that's never been tapped into yet to do what God created you to do. It's time to find that and begin to do it. Take Him at His word. You are safe in Christ. You are safe. Are victorious in Christ Jesus. God's word says you are not condemned. God's word says you are guarded by His grace. God's word says you are no longer a slave to sin. God's word says you are accepted by Him. God's word says, You are an ambassador for Christ. You are healed. You are surrounded by God's mercy. You are well-planted. You are beautiful, God's Word says. You are not alone even when you feel alone. You're not. Take Him at His Word. You are God's tabernacle. You are where God lives. He resides inside of you. You are sufficient. You are enough. You are strong. You are blessed. You are special to God. You are alive. You are even joyful inside of you. You are precious to God. You are a citizen of heaven. You are fearfully and wonderfully made You are hope-filled. You are God's. You belong to Him. You are wise. You are saved. You are complete in Him. You are forgiven. All of your sin is washed away. You are a new creation. You are a child of the living God. You are redeemed. You are light. You are free from sin. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Take Him at His word. You are God's temple. You are one with Christ you take him at his word because it's good and if you'll begin to take him at his word you'll be well with God your life will be better and all of the confusion begins to dissipate when you begin to believe truth would you buy your What is it that you're struggling to trust Him with? What is it that you're struggling to believe? What has He said about it? It's time to settle it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I believe. He loves you. He cares about you. Maybe you're here today and you haven't had a relationship with him. It's time. Today's the day. Take him at his word. He loves you. He cares about you. He has purpose for you. Just right where you're at. God, I want to get to know who you are and what you like and what you don't like. And for the rest of my life, I want to spend it serving you and loving you. And I want to accommodate for you living in my life. Help me this morning. I invite you to come inside of me. Live in me. Let me be that tabernacle that I just heard. I believe that. I choose to believe that today. I make you my God. Thank you. Thank you, Father. some of you have struggled to believe some things that God has said, thinking that it's unloving or thinking that it's unkind or these are new days, these are new times or whatever, and it's brought confusion to your life or to your family or to your children. It's time for you to say, you know what? I believe what God says. I'm going to take Him at His word. He was clear about it and I want clarity in my life. God, I believe you. I trust you. I accept your word in Jesus name thank you father And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed maybe you're here this morning and you gave your heart to Christ and God came inside of you to live just a moment ago right where you're seated I want you to just look up at me until my eyes catch yours so you can say yeah John that's me alright alright I knew it <laughs> anybody else else. Yes. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father, for what you've done in our lives. I pray over these people right now. Thank you for your blessings and favor. Thank you. Bless them in Jesus' name.